Hey, I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and it, it, you ever talk to people and you're just like, wow, is that really still a thing? You ever had that? So I was talking with somebody, and as I was talking to them, they, I, I was just saying, hey, what's going on? And, and here's, it, it's not horrible, but, and, I, and please don't be triggered. Can we have trigger warnings in church? Please, please don't. If, if it's possible today, just don't be offended by any of this. Instead, I, what I want you to do is be prepared. You know, my job as a pastor is to prepare you for works of service. Now, I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, I wish Jesus would do my job all the time. Does that sound weird? Now, here's what I mean. Wouldn't it be better if he was standing here preaching today? But he didn't do it that way. He's, he's called me to do that, to prepare you. But, but even in your life, wouldn't it be better if he was there every moment, answering every question and solving every problem? Yes, he is. But he does it through you. He works through us. And yes, he does solve those problems. I get that. So I was having this conversation, and the person, <laughs> I was just talking to him about things, and they said, um, I said, you know, how's things going, whatever, and it, I hadn't seen him in a while, and then they said something about... Um, yeah, I'm just really working on, on following my heart. And when they said that, I, I, I said, oh, what, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, I just, I just feel like for a long time I've been doing you know, what everybody else wants. And I, wanted, I, needed, I needed to do me. I'm like, okay, what, what does that look like for you? And we're friends. And as they're talking, I just got to thinking, wow, this, this person used to be such a giver and now for whatever reason, probably legit, maybe you've said that too, but in the process, it's like all they could think about was themselves. And the more we talked, the more I thought, wow, I, I get where they're coming from. They've been hurt a little bit, wounded a little bit. I get that. And there's times where you have to step back, but the answer's not here. And um, sorry, I, I, it chokes me up just to think about it, and so then when I, when I gently, I think it was gently, started to show them, like point them to scripture a little bit, then they said, well, I'm not sure it really means that. And so we were working, walking through, and um, here's what I thought. You know what? Every single one of us, whether you're in that place or you're having conversations with people in that place, I thought, you know, I'm supposed to equip you for works of service. And in my situation right there, I felt totally inadequate because everything I was saying seemed to be falling on deaf ears. And I kept praying. You know how you're talking to somebody and praying at the same time? My God, what? This is not working. You know what I felt like him saying? It's not up to you. You, you be obedient and I'll work on the heart because I can't change somebody's heart. I can't change your heart. I can't really even change my heart, but I can at least open my heart to what God wants to say. So I'll be honest with you, the walk, of, uh, the walk of Christianity is a walk of humility. And it's us constantly laying down us and opening up our hearts to him. And if he's not correcting you once in a while, your heart might be closed a little. Anybody triggered yet? Okay, well, buckle up. So when they were talking to me about that, I... In my mind, I was thinking about something that I heard recently again. And here's one of the things some people try to do. You've probably heard of Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code and all that kind of thing. 
Well, there's, it, it comes around all the time. It's not new, where people try to say the Bible doesn't say what it says. And the reason they do that, if we can get to the heart of the matter is, they don't like what it says. So if we can just change what it says, then I don't have to follow it, right? So here's something just, just to put in, your, put, put in your heart, so at least it convinces you, and hopefully you understand this. There are parts of the Bible, you may not have thought about this before, parts of the New Testament that were written before other parts, Right, that just makes sense, right? It wasn't all one book. They didn't sit around one day and say, okay, you write John, you write Corinthians, you write, that's not how it worked. What happened is all of these parts of the New Testament were written at different times as God laid it on their hearts. And the parts of the New Testament that were written, they were written from different places. And then eventually the church collected all of them and said, hey, this is from God. We need to follow this. Well, one of the very first things written was actually the book of Corinthians, It's not the first, but it's one of the first. And what happened is the Apostle Paul, you guys remember his story, right? He was there when Stephen, one of the first martyrs, was stoned, and he was agreeing to it, and he went around persecuting Christians, and then Jesus showed up one day, and in a blast of light, he was on his way from one place to another to persecute Christians. He had all the permission from the Jewish authorities. He's knocked off his horse or knocked to the ground, whatever, and he sees Jesus, and he says... Lord, who are you? It's like, you know, when you get knocked out like that, you, that's probably a good way to say Lord. I mean, it's safer. And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. That's a powerful verse. You know why? He was persecuting the church. He's saying, you're persecuting me when you're persecuting my people. Right? It's like the ultimate mama bear. You're persecuting my people. You're persecuting me. Paul changes his life radically. He starts churches all over what's now Turkey and Asia Minor. And, and uh, one of those was in Corinth. So he writes this within 15 years or so of when Jesus uh, was crucified. This is so soon in history. Now, I know some of you in the room are 15 and you're like, that's my whole life. Well, yeah, but it's not very long. In fact, it's so soon That what Paul does when he writes this, he basically calls on people who are still alive, who would have been eyewitnesses at the time, to check his facts. We all hear about fact checkers today. (laughs) It's kind of a joke anymore, because like, who fact checks the fact checkers? Because they all have their opinion too, and whatever. It's like Swopes. You can't even trust Swopes. I mean, it's all whatever. But Paul literally says, check it out. People who were there saw this happen. So I want to I read this passage to you so you understand this is legit the gospel. This happened. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. The same thing was starting to happen then that happens today, where people start to drift from the gospel. And he says, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's the gospel. And he lays it out. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Got that? Some of you grew up in churches that repeated the creed. I almost wish we did that sometimes. Because it's almost like we forget the steps of this. So here's the first part. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, just different language. And then to the twelve. 
You guys got that? After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. And here's where he calls on them as eyewitnesses, most of whom are still living. Check it out. He's basically saying, it happened. You know it happened. Check it out. Check me out. Then it's, it keeps going. It says, and some, some have fallen asleep. That's just kind of a way to say they passed away. Then he appeared to James, who would have been brothers, Jesus' brother, who before this point wasn't a Christian, but he radically became a Christian. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What does this mean? It means that this gospel is the gospel. And it started super duper early. It's crazy because there's people who still want to go back and try to change that. And the fact is, look, he's saying this is what happened. And check it out. It was the way it was. Why wouldn't you want to follow your heart, though? Right? Here's the problem, though. Jesus never said that. He didn't say that. Jesus never said that. He didn't say follow your heart. And you got to wonder what's behind that. And... the assumption is that our hearts are good and that if I could follow my heart, it would be the best, best thing that I am. And look, I, I want to be and I think I'm a pretty good guy, but my heart, I can't trust it all the time. It's not always in the right place. I, I, know, <laughs> I know there's times, sorry, that picture cracked me up. I'm sorry, um, I'm not basically good. I have to watch my heart all the time. And let's be also honest about this. Whose heart are we following? And if I'm comparing hearts, I mean, if we just took this front row, who here has the best heart? Don't raise your hands. I'm just being facetious. Right? Because you're looking down the row and thinking, well, maybe I'm right. The fact is, we're not that good. And the fact is, Human nature isn't all that great. Uh, Here's the thing, though. We do kind of have this sense of what we ought to do. We just don't do it. It's not that we don't know what's right. It's just we don't do it. The fact is our heart draws us away from what is right most of the time, a lot of times, and we have to filter. I don't know if you guys have had this situation happen where (laughs) you guys see those videos like when someone's getting, you know, usually it's a high school student getting their wisdom teeth out and then they say all sorts of crazy stuff because they're on drugs right it's like the filters dropped off and so they start talking all crazy you know what one of my worst thoughts is is what if we didn't have the filter we have you know people talk all the time about like special powers like if you could have special powers what would they be you know and every once in a while someone will say reading minds and then they take a step back wait a minute though if we really knew because the fact is, we're humans, and God has given us an ability to filter. We're not, we're not animals. We're not driven just by instinct. The fact is, God's given us this thing that says, look, that's not right. And then we battle inside to either do what's right or not. But our heart often draws us away. And what's sad is, this has been going on since the beginning. If you think about the story of Adam and Eve, the very bottom line was, God gave them a very simple thing. Don't eat of this tree. Just obey me in this. Trust me that I'm good. And the enemy of our souls came and tempted Eve and got her to doubt God's goodness. And what did he get her to do? Follow her heart. Her heart was to be like God. Her heart was to make her own decisions. Her heart was to be the boss. 
And the fact is, we've been doing this ever since. And then what we do is we replace God with our own desires, and we replace him with created things that become the thing we worship because that's what our heart is drawn to do. We're humans. The very first murder happened before any weapons. In my mind, I always think of a rock where Cain kills his brother Abel. What was he doing? He was following his heart. He was following his heart. You've got to recognize that our, our heart is bent toward evil. It's harsh, I know, and I know for some of you it's triggering you, and you're like, no, people are good, there's good. I'm not saying there's not good in people. I'm just saying that we're drawn to not be good most of the time. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a prophet, you know, ages ago. He writes it like this, and I always tell you guys, never read a Bible verse. There is a one verse in here that usually we quote, but I want you to read the whole thing. Because it starts off in verse 5, it says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Because that's what we do. He's setting up this, what he's getting to a point to make. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in his own heart, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Do you see the difference? This is not new. It's just, again, in our culture. Whose confidence is in him, in the Lord. But they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The New Living Translation says it like this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. I like that word, wicked. I don't know why. The Amplified Version says this. The human heart, above all things... Is wicked and it is extremely sick. We always justify our actions, don't we, though? And we say, I didn't mean to. When we say that, why do we say that? Because in our heart, we think, well, I didn't mean it that way. It just happened. You know, it's, it's like we could pull back our actions because we didn't mean to. But the fact is, we try to blame other things for what our heart has drawn us to do whether it's things or situations or systems or friends or family or the way I was raised or this or this, and there's always going to be an excuse. We're never honest with ourselves, are we? It's like our inward self, it's, it's the hardest for us to see because we have good intentions, but then our heart draws us away. And we judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. James, who I mentioned in that very first part we read, the brother of Jesus, he says this, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So what did Jesus actually say? Because he didn't say, follow your heart. Here's what he said, follow me. He said, follow me. 
And the truth is, the all, all these other verses we, said, we read are basically saying, follow him. Don't follow me, follow him. Think about when Jesus called the disciples. He was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. They gave a lot to follow him. They followed him immediately. They gave up their family business, their job security, their nets, their, their, their standing in the community. It was a sacrifice to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but my heart constantly draws me in directions, and I have to keep going back and saying, no, I want to follow God no matter the cost. When he calls Matthew, he says, he passed on and he called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. He would have left money and status, and he would have left all of that, a radical change in lifestyle. Jesus said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Everything you want? Everything your heart desires? No, everything you need. Yeah, follow your heart? Nope, that's not it. He said, follow me. Follow me and build my kingdom. He said, follow me because the values of my kingdom are different than where your heart draws you. He said, follow me. There's other things Jesus never said that are, it seems like our culture keeps saying over and over. One of them is like, be true to yourself. Find yourself. It's as if somehow you're going to find worth in you. you. And please, this is so weird to say because I love people and I love the different personalities and the character and the way God made us so different. I love that. I love that some are outgoing and some are shy and some, some are just naturally funny and some you know are just kind of droll and dry and some have senses of humor you have to like wait what did you say i love that about people i love watching and just learning people it's not as if those things aren't good that's not what i'm saying here what i'm saying the bottom line is if you're going to be true to yourself what does that mean that your own standards are what defines life and goodness is that it because the fact is when you try to find yourself you look inside and we're we we're shallow and we're, don't, we're not enough. You chase after wealth or honor or prestige or fame or popularity. History is literally littered with people and lives that are sad and hopeless and empty because all they tried to do is find what their heart led them to find and it doesn't satisfy. It won't satisfy we all know that. You see it all over the place. I mean, how many movie stars and music stars take their own lives when they've reached what some of us would think is the pinnacle of success and fame, and it's empty and hollow, and yet we think it'll be different for us. The fact is that none of that will satisfy, and I believe it's because of this, because we were made for him. We are made for him, to know him, to have relationship with him. And until you find him, you will never be satisfied with anything that life offers. How many people chase so far and so hard to get to this thing, whatever it is? It could be a title or a promotion or a place in business, or it could be a certain bank account or certain popularity level or certain number of friends or likes or whatever the world says is worth finding. And then you get there and realize it's empty and hollow. 
and it doesn't satisfy like what you thought. Our hearts pull away and we want to do things our own way and it never satisfies. St. Augustine, he said this way, he says, he's talking to God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That whole idea of being true to yourself, it's, it's sad because humanity has constantly desired that, literally from the garden. And if you look at the Greeks, I mean, they even tell the story of Narcissus. Do you remember that story? Any of you had Greek mythology? What was that about? Right? He, couldn't, he just looked at himself for so long, and he was then subject to that. How about even, of all things, I was just thinking about this because I'm weird, but I was thinking about Oscar Wilde and the story of Dorian Gray. Have you guys seen that? What is that about? Trying to find meaning in just the superficial looks. The, the sad thing is our world keeps telling us that, that it's about us. But until you realize it's not about me, it's about him, and it's not about me, it's about everybody else, you won't realize that really what God is calling you to is dying to yourself. That's totally opposite of what the world says is, finds value. And I know they don't understand it. They don't get it. How do you die to yourself and still find value? Because when you do that, you find value in something that's so much greater and a God who loves you and created you for relationship and that relationship is the only thing that will truly satisfy. In Mark, this is recorded, they kept quiet because on the way, this is the disciples, they had been arguing about who was the greatest. Can you imagine how awkward this would have been in this moment? And Jesus sits down and he calls him to himself and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. I know for us on this side of, of, of history, it's hard for us to understand how the disciples didn't understand everything Jesus was teaching because they didn't have the full scope of the whole gospels that we read today. They were living it in real time. And as they were doing it, they were making mistakes that we make, but we do them in private or on our own or maybe just around our family or our spouse Yet they were making him in front of Jesus himself. And Jesus literally calls him out because he knew they were arguing about who was the greatest. And he sits them down and he says, nope, whoever's the greatest has to be the servant of all. That's so upside down, right? In our world, you're great if you're up here and everybody else is down lower on the flow chart. And what Jesus says, no, the greatest is here and we serve everybody else. I'll tell you, those of you who served at kids at Vacation Bible School this last week, you know what that's like. You are serving children. And for the most part, they're, you know, ch- they're children. It's not like they know how to say, hey, thank you, or that was great, or I appreciate you spent the time, and you gave up these hours. But the feeling that you get from the Lord for serving is worth all of it. It's worth it. Jesus also never said, believe in yourself. Which isn't to say that God doesn't give us gifts that you can rely on and you can do it. That's not what we're saying. The fact is, he said, believe in me. He said, I am the way, the the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the way. He's the only way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the center of the Christian faith. I heard this recently, and it just, it really struck me. You take Jesus out of Christianity, there's no Christianity. Amen. You take Muhammad out of Islam, there's still Islam. If you take the Buddha out of Buddhism, there's still Buddhism. 
Jesus is it. He didn't say just follow my teaching. He said follow me because he's the way to the Father. He's the way through which we have salvation. He's the way that changes. He's the way. He's the source of life. He's the great I am. He's the one who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who calms our fears. He's the one who gives joy in a place of depression. He's the one that breaks addiction. He's the one that soothes the grieving soul. He's the one who gives us hope. He's it. That's why we sing to him. That's why we pray to him. That's why we think about him. That's why we focus on him. Without him, we can't do anything. And more than that, without him, we are nothing. He is it. He's everything. I will never be enough. You are never enough. That sounds triggering, I know. Because we want to think we're enough. But without him, we're not enough. We need him to be anything. And the fact is, when we have him, we are, he's enough. So because he's enough, it's okay that I'm not enough. The fact is, he never said, live your truth, because we don't create truth. We don't decide what's true. The fact is, we discover truth. We find that he is the truth. I can't create truth. That's just because I think something's a thing doesn't make it a thing. He's ultimate truth. If it's just me and what I think, it's all subjective, right? It's my opinion, right? I mean, Rocky Road ice cream, Joe's KC, Jack Stack, Q39, Harp, Gates, Arthur Bryant's. Why would you eat anything else? I don't even understand you people. <laughs> Burn-ins, barbacoa. I had some from, from uh, Piccola. The, uh, it was amazing. Ribeye, medium rare, dark. Those are all opinions, right? I don't decide truth. There's no such thing as my truth and your truth. The fact is there's truth. And for me to accept that, I have to lay down me and take up him. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's the truth. I don't choose that. I recognize that. Jesus then said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I did have a long conversation. This has been a year ago with somebody about truth. And they brought up this verse, and they said, you can't be free if you've got to follow someone else's truth. What I was trying to get them to understand is, see, that's, that's where the lie of the enemy comes in and makes you think that just because you find what's true, that it's really true and that makes you free. What it does is it becomes, you become in bondage to yourself and the selfishness that is you and it's limited to me, which isn't enough. What Jesus meant when he said, you will find the truth and the truth will set you free. It will set you free to know him in a way that is so expansive you can never imagine. And to live beyond yourself. I'm not limited to just me anymore. I live a truth that is far greater than what I could ever as a human being determine or decide for myself. But it goes beyond me to to the world that is so much bigger to the universe that God created. And his truth is far more expansive than that. And he sets me free to be who he created me to be. If I'm just determining that, it's so limited on what I think it is. And I don't even know what's beyond what's able. But what he does is he empowers us to live beyond what we think we can be to something far greater and things you would have never thought of before. He, lives, he, he makes you free to, to do and say and try things. Pastor Jeremy mentioned it in our pre-service meeting with the volunteers talking about how the Spirit enables us to go beyond what we think we could do. Whether it's something like just maybe sharing 
sharing faith with kids in, in uh, El Salvador or for maybe you talking to somebody or maybe a calling that he puts on your life that is greater and more expansive than you could ever do on your own. You're free. I'm not limited to what my mind can create or who I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip down to the very last one. Somebody said once that um, all roads lead to heaven. If I could have Dalton join me up here. Jesus never said that. He could have. He didn't. What Jesus did was so radical. And I think it's hard for us as 21st century Christians to even conceptualize what it was like for him. If you've been watching The Chosen, maybe you get a picture of it like when he... In, in the last season when he's talking to the rabbis and, and in his own home synagogue and he, he says he claims to be God and they just lose their minds. The fact is he was in a culture where for him to claim to be God was just earth shattering. What he was saying is everything you followed up till now, I am the fulfillment of and now you go to heaven because of me. It is radical. It is exclusive. It is difficult, especially in a world which says, I determine my future and I'm in charge of what it is and I give meaning to things. It, it's more than that. It's, it's a lot. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Only a few will ever find it. I know that cuts against the grain of what our world says today. And if, if I'm being very transparent, it, it offends me a little bit. Well, maybe a lot, because I want everybody to go to heaven just like you do. And I want to make it as easy as possible. I mean, I can't help it. I, I want everybody to go. It's like when I was a youth pastor and kids were short on their money to go to camp or whatever. I would just, it was hard not to just pay it out of my pocket. I wanted them all to go. I want every single person I see to, to go to heaven and experience joy with God. But the fact is, I can't do that for them. They have to lay down their lives and follow him themselves. I know how triggering this is for somebody in this room. I'm going to, I'm going to lay out for you what he's offering you today. And this isn't just for those who've maybe not followed Christ. It's for each one of us as Christians because we do this every day. He says, take up your cross daily. This, yeah, Greg Smith pointed this out at Ironman last Tuesday. When in Jesus' day, it wasn't that people hadn't been crucified until him. The Romans used it all the time, mostly for slaves and people who would do revolts. And the way it worked is you would carry the cross beam through town and they would mock you all the way through town. We don't really do that today, right? But if you saw somebody walking through town with their cross beam, the cross, you knew, right? What did you know? You know that they were a criminal, that they had been sentenced to death, you know that they were going to die an agonizing death. And there's no getting away. There's Roman soldiers everywhere. You knew that was where they were going. So when Jesus said, 
that as Christians, we're supposed to pick up our cross daily. What he was saying is this is a very public proclamation that you do not live for yourself. I, he himself, when he said that, had not been crucified, but they all knew what he meant. Now we know even more. Here's what he's offering you. His life for yours. Who's in? You're giving up your life for his. You're giving up your values for his. You're giving up what matters to you for what matters to him. You're giving up your selfishness, your choices. You're giving up what you think you need for him. And what he says to you is, yes, it's a huge trade, but I promise you, you will be free. You know, there's a weight that kind of drops off. If I don't have to make it up all the time on my own and I don't have to prove it to everybody because I rest in him now, I'm free. I'm not me, I'm, I'm his. He says, give up your heart for his, your way for his. I'm gonna ask you to shut your eyes, everybody in the room, Christians or not. I know that there's probably somebody here who maybe this sounds like a crazy choice that I'm, I'm offering to you today. But the fact is, it's the choice we're offered and every one of us is offered every day. Every day you wake up is a gift from God and you choose every day. Am I gonna live for me or am I gonna live for him? And for each of us, it's different what that means to live for him. I mean, it, it's different for everybody. It, you know, for some, some of you, it means maybe a financial cost. For some of you, it's a social thing where you... Maybe you don't, you're not with your people, but instead you, you reach out to someone who's in need. And maybe it's that, you know, we're, we're not back in school yet, but when you're in school and it's that one person who's by themselves and nobody hangs out with, but you choose to give to them that day. Maybe for you, it means you give up an offense because Christ forgave you. And that means that you forgive those people who don't deserve it, but you forgive them. Or maybe that one person who keeps coming to mind every time I mention forgiveness because you still haven't been able to forgive. But God calls us to forgive. And Jesus says, take my cross daily and walk for me. It's a big sacrifice, I know. Let me ask, though, if there's anybody in the room, maybe you haven't walked with Christ yet, that you haven't yet surrendered to him, but today you want to do that. (laughs) I didn't make it easy today but I didn't intend to. He never wants you to follow him without choosing what you're choosing. He wants you to know the cost. Jesus at one point said, it's like the builder who builds without knowing the cost and can't finish and everybody sees that they didn't count the cost. He wants you to count the cost. Following him is not cheap, it's not easy. But oh my goodness, is it freeing. And it's joyful. So I'm just curious if there's anybody that you would want to follow him today. If you just raise your hand, we'll pray with you. I do see the hand. I appreciate that honesty. Anybody else that you'll walk with him today, you'll say, I give up my way for yours, all of it. Anybody else? I do see the hand. I appreciate that honesty. I see that one too. Thank you for your honesty. Let's do this together. Would you, would you all pray with me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer. What I'd like is for you just to repeat after me. And I'd like everybody in the room to do it. Those of you who raised their hand, and there were a few, I just want you to pray it and and mean it for real. And this isn't, all all we're going to do is just tell God that we're sorry for what we've done that's wrong, ask him to forgive us, and tell him we want to give up our lives for his. That's a simple thing. 
So if you would just follow me in this prayer and pray with me. Father God, I'm sorry for what I've done that is wrong. I need your forgiveness today. Please forgive me. Make me new. I trade my life for yours. I will follow you now. In Jesus' name. I'd like to ask one more question with your eyes closed. I know most of you in here are Christians. You've been Christians for different amounts of time. Some of you for many, many years. But I'm just curious if anybody in here today, as you've been listening to this today, that it's kind of moved on your heart because, um, you know, it's moved on my mind preparing this. And I'm just curious with just heads bowed, eyes closed, just really between you and God would say, God, I need to lay down. I need to, I need to pay, take up your cross and follow you better. Can you help me with that? That's what I want to pray with you. Anybody like that? Lots of hands in this room. I appreciate your honesty. Would you stand with me? We have people who are ready to pray with you. Staff and spouses and board and spouses and part of the prayer team. If you would just come forward really quickly. What I would like to do is if you want someone to pray with you about any of the things that we've mentioned here today. We want to pray with you. So just for a few minutes, if you would just come, you'll have to come quickly because we just want to pray with you. Just step out right now if you want prayer for any of these things. If you were giving your heart to Christ in, in that first prayer time or for any of the other things, it could be for healing. If you, if you feel like it's time for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want God to, to, you want to be prayed with, we will pray with you right now. So please come and we'll spend some time in prayer. Go ahead and come now. I'm going to pray with the rest of us as these people are coming forward for prayer. Father, we come before you today. We are, we are needy people. We are people who live our lives and we want to follow you as close as we can, but sometimes it's difficult to find ourselves becoming self-centered or self-absorbed. And we just ask, God, that in the name of Jesus, you would help each and every one of us to pick up that cross and to walk for you every single day. God, we want to live for you in a way that is obvious to the world around us, to our families. Father, I pray for those who we encounter who, who are kind of struggling. Maybe they're in the world or maybe they're believers who are struggling with the world. And these hold these ideas that are so attractive, these ideas about following our hearts and living for ourselves. God, I pray you will help us as we love them and interact with them. I pray you will help us to have the right attitudes and that as we talk to those people, you would give us the right questions to ask and the right things to say in the right moment, that you would use us and you would help us to communicate your love and your truth with everybody that we encounter. God, we ask that in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would bless us, your church, as we head out and pick up our cross and walk for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you today. Share the love of Christ with everybody. If you're newer, even if you didn't register for our Connect Lunch, we want to invite you to join. It'll be right in the crown room as you exit just to the left. God bless you and we look forward to getting to know you better.